listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And I tell you what, it's been a bad week to be a reasonably priced beverage or a... Fuck, I fucked it. It's too hot. (laughs) (laughs) Did the scientist declare a record day for it? That's a good bit. Should I just say that? Take it from the top. Take it from the top. And scientists the world over have declared it's a once in a century day for it here in (laughs) Melbourne. Unfortunately, though, due to climate change, that day has been every day for the last five days consecutively. Um, And they're predicting many more days for it in the coming months. It's really like Homer eating the donuts in hell. It's just like, (laughs) oh, you like a a sunny day? Like, just like cranking it up, just like sort of more beautiful and more, you know, and then it's like too much. It's too much. No. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, like that bit, though, most people in Melbourne have just been like, yes, yes, and they just can't stop. Just having little teenies out in the sun every single day. Epidemiologists have declared a, a pandemic. (laughs) <laughs> Can we have that? that oh, fucking hell. I like it. I like it. Get oh. out. It's been so tropical here. It's so, um, like, it's very strange. It feels like every, like, spring in Sydney except in January in Melbourne. And, I like, I've been looking at the um, rain radar, like, every five minutes just to see yeah. when the humidity would break for two weeks straight. Um, mm. And now it's humid again. So <laughs> That comparison to a Sydney spring is also just... There's a thing of Melbourne where anytime you complain about the weather, people in Melbourne are just like, yeah, it's Melbourne. And then also people from anywhere else are like, yeah, it's where we're from. Like, Mm. Melbourne is just like crazy all over the place. And you're like, God, it's humid. People from Brisbane are being like, like Brisbane is. (laughs) (laughs) This is like New Yorkers where they're like, other places don't have bodegas. And we're like, yeah, we do. They're called convenience stores. Literally everywhere has them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, but they're not bodegas. And that's the yeah, thing of just like call them bodegas. Yeah, Everyone in every state who's listening to this podcast, can you just please let Melbourne be main character for like another five uh, seconds? Well, that's, that is the thing. Everyone Melbourne's in Melbourne is acting as if like nowhere else in the country has ever had <laughs> fucked weather just like this before. When really what's happening is we're not used to fucked weather and we're little babies about it. That's the thing. Would they rather us talk about COVID or lockdowns again? Just let us talk about the weather. Fuck. <laughs> please, can you let Melbourne be main character? for a second all we want to do is be main character and Sydney's like yeah like Sydney like sh- <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> but no speaking as someone who's come from Brisbane uh, 10 years ago in Here part to escape the weather <laughs> it's f- it's so fucked to watch like the weather patterns in Melbourne change to into like it's hot in the morning it's humid as fuck you see the rain clouds come in and then a storm happens because the storms are still like Melbourne in that they just sort of go like huh and then fuck off and nothing happens. You don't even get the release down here. That's the worst bit about climate change, without doubt, is the shitty storms in Melbourne and not actually like, oh, here's a monkey paw curling and not actually getting like fun enough to bring any sort of release or or, like pop. They just sort of come and then bleh and then leave and you're still sweaty. is Is that a Melbourne thing? Because we often do get like rain that goes for a while. Look, maybe it's just bloody this season. This is the problem with weather is it goes in cycles that are so long. They're a whole year long. <laughs> I can't remember what happened a year ago. Like lockdown, <laughs> COVID, etc. has crushed my perception of time so much. So I'm just, I don't remember how things used to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, it's, this is the thing with weather it's, and like humidity and stuff. It's such a physical thing that unless you're experiencing it right now, it's hard to conceptualize. You can be like, yeah, humidity sucks. Being hot sucks. But 
I can't really imagine how sucky it is. And I think that's like climate change where everyone's like, it's going to be two degrees warmer. It's going to be real humid and gross. You know, everyone's going to die and everyone goes, yeah, that sounds bad, eh? But um, (laughs) Melbourne Melbourne gets one mid-30s, 60-degree humidity week and everyone goes, fucking climate change. Oh, my God, I'm dying. We've got to... We've got to do something about this. Uh, we've got a podcast for six minutes about this. This, <laughs> this won't stand. And then we How get a cool this weather, guys. How's the weather? <laughs> this, is, this is a tangible effect of climate change, is that it turns us into boring cunts and we still oh, commit to no. doing a podcast oh, every no. week. Well, uh-huh. oh, that's our f- whole future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give it two and a half years and it'll just be, you know, like, you're listening to... Okay. Ah, uh, Mitch. <laughs> just as as the effects of climate change accelerate as they're sort of locked in to do it's just going to be more and more talk about how ugly the weather's been mm. just yeah. here and here forever bad news for everyone who hates small talk that's going to be impossible to separate from the fact that we also naturally will get more old and boring and so oh, it's like oh, yeah. I can't wait to be old boring. people as they get older Talk about the weather, and we're going to do that, but we're going to pretend it's because it's climate change. <laughs> People in the bloody offices talking about, like, oh, I wish there wasn't a water shortage so that we had a water cooler to discuss how there's no water cooler anymore. <laughs> water purifier talk in the office. <laughs> this is McLean talking to the people he's made out of tin cans. <laughs> <laughs> Even they're boring. <laughs> Even the tin can people, that's a... <laughs> Of course the tin can people are boring, Mitch. <laughs> You've got the ingenuity to create people whole cloth and give them whatever personality you want and you're still like, oh, I don't talk to them, they suck. Well, I've got to be the interesting one. They've got to listen to my podcast. <laughs> I've got to be the main character in this shed by myself. <laughs> like Sydney, Mitch. McLean's created people out of tin cans who all hang out in the break room while he's <laughs> yeah. off working elsewhere. <laughs> like he's got to pick they up- don't know how hard I work. <laughs> he's picking up the slack for them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk to my co-workers I'm keeping that rule even into the apocalypse I don't It's just <laughs> friggin' hard to relate to a tin can, man <laughs> Oh my god Ah, we've lost it, good stuff More on that later <laughs> So speaking of being boring when you're old The aged care system's <laughs> fucked up in a big way Hey guys, haven't we had like two years to fix this when like the last time the aged care system was fucked up and there was that, like that big peak where a lot of old people died during the pandemic in 2020 and we were like, damn, we can never let this happen again. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think we said, damn, we can never yeah. let this happen again. I think we had a royal commission which says, let's put the government into cover up hard mode for two weeks. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously they did that because they're very good at it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, here we are. It wasn't they spun that- really hard. They all kept their jobs. Uh, I think they did a pretty good work there. They've all yeah. still in, in power. Wasn't there a royal commission into aged care well before the pandemic as well? Or is that just some, some investigations that took place from a current affair and whatnot? <laughs> the aged care system's been fucked since, like, Gillard era. I remember that shit. I'm just like, oh, this is really bad. Some of the people that work here abuse staff and whatnot. And the government went, damn, that sucks. I hope someone does something about it. And then the <laughs> pandemic hit. I was like, oh, it's shit's still really fucked, but now we've got a pandemic where mm. no one wants to take responsibility for it. Even though you've got ministers with, like, titles specifically saying, I'm the guy who's in charge of this. They went, oh, but actually it's someone else. And then you yeah. go around to all the different federal people and then they they just went, oh, it's the state. And then the state goes, oh, actually, it's the federal. And meanwhile, 
the old people in our society are fucking suffering and being tortured and dying. And mm. it's just like, oh, well, we'd like to do something, but we can't, you know, we can't give out blame properly yet. So once we fix that, then we might be able to help these living, breathing human beings. They I really cannot give out blame at all. Hey, it's really fucked. No, that's <laughs> yeah. the entire goal yeah. of all of the things we'll be talking about today is just keep in mind that, like, this is their, this is everyone in politics and their inability to just even give us a skerrick of, oh, actually, yeah, something could have been done better when I was doing it. Like, obviously, they're not going to fucking apologise, but they will not take responsibility in any way, shape or form because they think mm. that if they give the smallest hint that they might be responsible, well, then, then they might have to do something. Oh, no. My electability. If everyone's mad because this bad thing happened and I'm like, yeah, it was my job to fix that, then everyone will be mad at me. <laughs> the responsibility of the aged care system is pretty clear cut, though, in regards to federal and state. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. most aged care systems are federal unless they are run by the state and then they're obviously state. Um, and so, really, all of these things, the federal ministers can't wriggle out of. All they can do is be like, oh, it's complicated. Well, yeah, <laughs> you say that, Lang. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yet somehow- They shouldn't wriggle out. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I think, well, this is, are they wriggling out or are they just sort of like walking straight through the plate glass window? And just yeah. like, that's like, exactly what yeah. they're doing. You need to answer some questions. It's like, ah, nah. do I? And then they trip over their own ass and fall headfirst through it, and people just go, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. They trip over their own ass and fall headfirst through it, and then they're just fine. Yeah, <laughs> they're not even fucking lacerated. There's no decency. Every single other time that they've been questioned or something else has happened, and they've just walked again through this the plate glass window, and nothing has happened. Why would they stop doing that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it works every single time? Exactly. Now they're just running yeah. through it like it's a sport. Right. I mean, at this point, that's, that's the thing about plate glass windows, right? Is one person runs through the plate glass window <laughs> and then it's not really a plate glass window anymore. It's just a sort of opening. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out reporters uh, just have no ability to hold people to account. Yeah, that's what, what actually happened? What actually is happening? The aged care minister, Richard Colbeck, who's to say whether he's responsible for aged care? I was thinking, uh, I was looking at the doc when Lang was like, it's pretty clear cut who runs it. <laughs> the aged care minister. Anyway, we don't know where to point the finger, but Richard Colbeck, the guy who was like, when they were like, who's responsible for aged care? He was like, I'll do it. So him <laughs> declined to attend a Senate COVID-19 committee on the 14th of January because there's urgent and critical work that needs to be done mm. in aged care. And honestly, I'm too busy with doing the aged care work mm -hmm. to show up at the you know investigation as to why aged care is so fucked. Yep. And so he, he didn't attend that. Mm. He couldn't possibly do it. No. Too busy with aged care. Mm. And then it came out that... He was at the cricket. He was at the cricket from the Friday the 14th to Sunday the 16th. Can I blow an air horn here? It's my time. It's all about sports. <laughs> that's, what, that's his excuse, right? In his defence, why does cricket go so long? <laughs> it's a long game. Look, okay, Lang, do you really want me to go on a rant about how test cricket is better than Absolutely any other kind not. of cricket? I can start. I can go for hours no. if you like. Old <laughs> people no are dying. Old people are dying because of the cricket being so long. 
<laughs> and Minister being so incompetent. Now I'm I'm on board with cricket being a really long sport. Like I'm I'm someone who I, I watch like Twitch streams and stuff. I'll sit down and watch a guy play Noida for eighteen hours. <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a sport that you can keep on in the background. Exactly. That's, Test cricket is like that. Also, my main complaint about this series was that it wasn't long enough. Like the <laughs> Test cricket is supposed to go for like five days at a time maximum, and England couldn't even get it together to have it three days of like every single test. Anyway. I digress. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, so he was off doing that. Uh, and uh, then, yeah, we all found out and everyone's like, <laughs> well, not everyone. There's two very distinct thought- schools of thought. There's one school of thought that was like, that seems like a shit excuse. He mm-hmm. should have gone to the committee. He should have had some accountability for his mishandling of the aged care sector in response to the COVID pandemic. And then there's another smaller group of thought <laughs> who were like, actually, it's a good excuse. And he should have done that. <laughs> yeah, mainly people that work in his, in his office. Yeah, yeah, him <laughs> and uh, Scott Morrison are the main ones. <laughs> I, I want to like interject here with something that I, I think about every time someone asks where's ScoMo when some disaster happens and have asked every time in the last like five years. Um, <laughs> when it comes to Scott Morrison, like I am not particularly happy about him taking holidays, but there's very little he himself as a prime minister yeah. can do to influence specific situations. Or ever does. That's or, yeah, and wrong. like also, no, no, um, you know what I mean in terms of like he's not going to go and fight a fire himself. He can no, give money thing. and things That's like a that. He, no, but, he doesn't but, but no, 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 can do stuff, but Wait. never does. So who cares? Hold, hold on, though, like. With Richard Colbeck, there is nothing. He is specifically the aged care minister. Him not being there is a specific failure of being, like, not part of the COVID committee, which he's been employed to be part of. Like, this is a specific not doing your job. Him, like, the Scott Morrison not holding a hose thing, like, it fundamentally is a really bullshit excuse. This is like Richard Colbeck saying, look, I Do you don't know what I mean, though, right? To the to the old people in the home, so it's none of my business either. Like, the... It, it is Scott Morrison's responsibility to respond to these issues. Mm. He, the, the, it's never a useful excuse. I, I think, like, Scott Morrison not being there for, like, a week when there is a month-long sort of bushfire happening is still a different situation. Like, he – this is not – like, he's not there, like, you know, in a commission for, like, the bushfires or something like that. I, I mostly just – I see the difference mm. mostly from the point of view of drips who get really steamed up about it because Scott Morrison does nothing. Like, even if he was, he would still be doing nothing. <laughs> Like, it's not about the holiday. That's, I think, his... I, I think that's the only way that the excuse holds yeah. up, yeah. though, is, like, if he's providing meaningful leadership mm. to the government that he is, you know, the leader of, then his presence would be valuable. It's so, so clear that he doesn't provide that leadership. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that he's off on holiday. Yeah. But similarly, Richard Colbeck doesn't provide meaningful leadership <laughs> in the aged care sector, so it doesn't mm. matter that he was at the cricket, because if he hadn't been at the cricket, he wouldn't have been doing anything else either. I mean, on that, he is the guy that famously walked out of government, literally Mm. walked out under questioning about the aged care stuff in 2020. Remember when this whole thing first came up and people were like, who the fuck is Richard Colbeck? And he was like, oh, I've been found out. My cushy job's under threat. And he just didn't have answers to anything. Whenever he was questioned, he didn't know the numbers, the facts and the figures of his specific portfolio. But then uh, there is footage of fucking Penny Wong being like, hey, what's the go with? And he's just like, nope. And he pieces out. Um, like he just walks off. So he's, yeah. he's, he is functionally useless and would be 
bad if he was here, but it is also his fucking job. I think, like, to Evie's point, this is the same thing we said about Scott Morrison going over to Glasgow and the climate summit. Don't go. You're going to do a shit job. And he went over there and he was a fucking ad for the fossil fuel industry. So, yeah. But, like, normatively speaking, our fucking Prime Minister should be around during bushfires and the pandemic and shit. Yeah. Like, we deserve better. I, I think, yeah, I'm coming from the point of view of, like, I've I've kind of come around to the view that Scott Morrison is useless even as a figurehead of a prime minister because sure. even in a situation of tragedy or a crisis, he just cannot come up to the bat even just in a superficial way. Like, like what is the point? I think that that's part of the corruption, though. Like, yeah. the, the, the sort of the MO of this government is to install high-profile people. This is including Scott Morrison. I'm sort of not talking about, like, his government under his leadership. I'm just talking about, like, the whole group of people. Mm-hmm. Their MO is to install people in high-profile positions that are so publicly useless that it undermines expectations of that position even being meaningful. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair point. And so, I, I, so I think to grant them that excuse of, like, well, even if they did show up, they would be useless – is like they're doing the same thing by not showing up or showing up. They're advancing this thing that says, don't worry about what we're doing because we're not doing anything. It's just sort of letting, I mean, it's the, the, the yeah. so many parts of the COVID response, climate response, mm. like they're just not doing anything. Yeah. They're just sort of shambling around and, and then rejecting the idea. They reject the fucking idea that they should do anything. And that's the part that as they continue to not do anything, we continue to internalize being like, well, you know, maybe they shouldn't do anything because they're so fucking useless at it anyway when they actually try. It's it's very grim. They find it a personal front to be held to account or questioned on anything they do. And the whole government is so incredibly incompetent that were they to just take a year off, Probably Australia would function better without them. Um, but we're <laughs> yeah. still paying them vast sums of money. They still have huge amounts of power. They should, in theory, be doing stuff. The fact that they never do and they, in fact, work to make every problem worse is no excuse for them to also be publicly dismissive of their duties. Yeah. But, yes, they <laughs> should all just walk into the sea forever. Um, that wouldn't... We, that wouldn't be an excuse for not doing their job. It would just help us all out. It's like, you're looking at it, it's like, where's Scott Morrison? He's in the sea. And you're like, well, good, but fucking, you're still Prime Minister. Yeah, why are we paying you while yeah. you're in the sea? <laughs> yeah. It's your freaking, if you ran like a convenience store and you had an employee who the only thing he ever did while he was at the convenience store was steal from the till <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and then one day he just doesn't show up and you call him up and you're like, where, where were you? today you met, you're rostered on and he's like i'm only going to steal from the till when i'm in you should be happy that i'm not showing up <laughs> also where's my money <laughs> fuck that's real good <laughs> and we're not just uh you know meanly picking on richard colbeck that's that's so unfair you know he's probably now after all this doing the best he can so let's spread it around <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not this what a piece of shit. Real. This time yeah. for real. Well, he's, he's got people covering for him as well. It's a team effort. <laughs> but I was just, I was just thinking, McLean, about like what you said in terms of it's the corruption and they put people in there that you know don't care or are functionally useless or just as bad and all the rest of that sort of shit. Um, a really good, quick example of that came up this week when uh, fucking Stuart Robert, who's the like healthcare minister. Um, 
is on uh, today, the Channel Nine show, and there's a they're, they're talking to him about a report that's come out that many elderly residents are going without food and drink and even essential medication. That seems mm. really fucked. People in the aged care system are going without food and drink, and they go, "Hey, is that really bad?" And he his response is fucking. Like, it is genuinely, I think, like, textbook definition evil. And I know that's hyperbolic, yeah. and I know that sounds, like, kind of weird or fantasy <laughs> nah. or whatever. No, it's But this is evil. human evil. This is immoral behaviour. He just turns around and says, like, oh, well, look, that report came from the unions, and I think that provides it with, you know, important context, and we're doing a pretty good job. Our aged care system is so overstretched, many elderly residents are going without food and drink and even essential medication. I've read the, the story. It came out of a, a, a union release and, and survey, Carl. The bottom line we Does saw in the budget, $17.7 billion. It, it, it gives some contemporary textualization around it. And even the hosts, the hosts of Ch a Channel 9 show, Channel 9 owned by or run by Peter Costello, who used to be in the Liberal Party, who are usually shills for this shit, are still just going, I'm sorry, what? Are you yeah, fucking for real? Bad. And he just goes, ah, look, you know, reports are going to do their thing and they've got numbers and stuff. But hey, we're running a type ship and we're going to get the budget back on track. And how good is the cricket? And it's like, wow, yeah. you are. It's like, hey, mate, you've got Ooh. old people who are going without food and water under your watch. And he's like, just big old shrug. Well, of course, people who wouldn't like me would say that that's bad. <laughs> but uh, just, yeah, he's so is. he is so evil and he is so uncaring of the situation that uh, to the point on corruption we don't even have politicians anymore that will at least feign concern and empathy mm. so like yeah he's either yeah. going to come to work and steal from the till or he's not going to come to work and the shop's being unmanned and both are shit situations and I think we can talk about both of them being shit for like their separate reasons mm. and also how it's intertwined but you should not have a sitting politician in this country just dismissing that out of hand and not even because if he doesn't pretend to care, then mm. that sends the signal that not caring is fine. And so we eventually, as that corruption sets in, have people in power that don't care and people in the community that don't care because they're told that not caring about elderly people in our fucking country is totally fine and good, actually. And mm. it just continues and it will get worse and worse. Yeah, this is, this is a precedent that's, like, not fresh. That's sort of, like, being continually baked in over the last couple of years, because obviously COVID's hit old people the hardest. They're, mm. the, the you know, among the most vulnerable. And that has been, like, you know, another big shrug from the government being like, oh, I mean, obviously there are hundreds of deaths from COVID, you know, this week, mm. but old people deaths, though. Yeah. That's not a full, that's not a full death, right? <sighs> like, that's only, like, a quarter of a death, you know? I think it's a bit unfair that you're saying they, they quote-unquote died <laughs> when they were already old or disabled or whatever. Come They're on. pre-existing conditions. Sorry to get existential for a second, but there, there's something, I, you know, I, in past jobs I've worked a lot on, like, Royal Commissions and that sort of thing, um, you know, institutional, the, the Royal Commission into Institutional Abuse. And from working on those Royal Commissions, I have, like, two big takeaways which sound kind of bleak, which is... People fundamentally do not care about the welfare of young people 
and people do not care about the welfare of old people. At a point where you can't look after yourself, the rest of society is like, great, you're on your own. Well, I mean, with the with the current yeah. government, it's they don't care about that. I'm just going to be a bit, you know, bleeding heart. They don't care about the welfare of people. Yeah, like, people full always stop. Always a, a sort of avenue that you can use to exclude somebody from that care. Oh, but you know, they 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 were young. They're not you know contributing members of the economy. Oh, they're very old. They're going to die anyway. Oh, they're immigrants, so they're not really Australians. Oh, they you know were left wing, so they're not supporters of the current government. So what do we care? It's such an indictment of our capitalism in fits people's worldviews to only care about a profit margin and looking after themselves and nobody else. Like, I just think about, you know, my parents getting old or like all my friends' parents getting old and like, we don't have the capacity to look after our, you know, older generation personally, like perhaps say, you know, they could look after their previous parents and that sort of thing in the home. So, aged care is perhaps the only option that people have Mm. because they can't look after their elderly parents and work full-time at the same time. So they have to rely on these kind of things. And that system just doesn't exist to look after people in a dignified way. Like, you know, there's so many royal commissions have happened, so many, you know, investigations. And as soon as, as, like, you know, as long as it's all privatised, it is only for a profit margin. It will never look after old people. That's just how it is. Yeah. Our parents' generation and the old people's generation at the moment um, were promised that after a lifetime of labour for the economy and whatnot, in return, they would be given comfortable retirement. They would be given a socialised nursing home system and, uh, you know, pension or a superannuation or what have you. And now when they're at the point of needing that, the, the government is going... Oh, actually, mm, nah, fuck you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Insofar as the social things? debt that we owe to each other, we can't even look after mm. people at the end of their life. Like, what like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. And I want to be careful about the, like, we here, because this isn't this isn't a we. This isn't you and I. This is people in power. Yeah. Um, yeah this is Richard Colbeck. Yeah. This is Richard Colbeck <laughs> promised that people would be looked after and now has decided that they won't. Yeah. But it just fills me with misery because, like, what the fuck is going to be left when we get old? Nothing. Oh, God. Well, we uh, haven't even been promised the, yeah, the yeah. aged care system. <laughs> yeah. We can see it coming. <laughs> They've gotten away from that. We, we get says like, everyone, you're looking after your super? Okay, good, because that's what you're going to rely on if you even see that. I'm not, I'm fully yeah. confident I'm never going to see my super, so good oh, luck yeah, with that, Oh, yeah, super's everyone. not a thing. That's fake. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't we don't get into the, the full black pill very much. Oh, we do, but not on this area. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, by the time we're old, no, we're not even going to have a functioning anyone support system unless yep. we're very lucky here. Well, that's the, that's the that's the sort of the the the, the math of it, right? Is like the climate change. The, climate change means that no matter what large-scale social upheaval is happening, it just mm. sort of is an open question as to which direction it happens mm. in. I think that in either direction, either total societal collapse or the you know dismantling of capitalism and building something better in its place, super's not going to matter in either yeah. one of those. Scenarios. No, like in twenty seventy, <laughs> when I'm eighty, super. <laughs> yeah. Like you have an Australian dollar. Oh, got the returns on that compounded every year. Yeah. This is looking pretty good right now. No, um, 
Just, <laughs> just imagining, uh, whatchamacallit, Will Smith talking to his dog in the ruins of the overgrown <laughs> city being like, sure, I'm glad I salary sacrificed. And- <laughs> <laughs> Saved up for this house. <laughs> but that's the thing that we're seeing with, with Stuart Robert here. The way he's talking about old people is evil. Absolutely. Yep. And like he has so... Like, whether he started evil or became evil doesn't matter because the way he's talking about that means that he's had to divorce his conscious mind from being able to feel about other people in order to do his job without crying. So he is evil. Yeah, like, just, I know that evil's a big term, uh, listener, and we're using it. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're evil, that just means that you don't care about how your actions affect others and you will see people die and move on with your uh, time. I'm going to put um, my, I'm gonna put my uh, ethicist hat on here. All right. Morning. Uh, technically, I that's amoral, uh, not really correct. <laughs> I'm ascribing mm. intent to Stuart Robert. I'm saying he's oh, yes. evil, that he, he hates old people and young people as if or, i think yeah. he i think he enjoys in a weird different way what he does and how it affects people he doesn't like because he thinks they're bad and wrong and Look, that's yeah. obviously there's banality of evil sure you can allow bad things to happen i'm going further and saying stuart robert is fucking evil like Look. darth vader is evil like a like <laughs> yeah. a Comic book evil. He's he's like you know you're like oh he's not you know the mustache twirling you know tie the damsel to the train tracks kind of evil because that guy's only killing one person. And also they won't even invest in high speed rail and he can't he doesn't grow a mustache he shaves. <laughs> I see now that I made the mistake of using terms that pop up in a psychology textbook. Philosophy. Uh, how philosophy dare you? Textbook. Oh, that is the worst mistake. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> you got to talk about the nature of evil without. Sorry. Referring to philosophy no, textbooks. I know, I know. Stuart I know. Robert is Megamind. Yeah. And <laughs> but, I don't see Megamind. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. That's he probably no, Megamind was good. Could, back to <laughs> what I was going to say. Rewind by three tangents. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what, the way Stuart Robert is talking at the moment is the way the government has talked about refugees for quite some time, and you touched on this, and there's this constant pulling in of the sphere of people that we should care about. And... That pulling in of the sphere of people doesn't actually correspond to who the government does care about. Because the government has never cared about anyone. (laughs) They would let any of us die. But they pull in the sphere of people who it's okay for them to talk about not caring about. So they've Mm. blatantly not cared about refugees for a while. Or lower income people. Or disabled people. They're just now being like, oh, actually, maybe they should die. Old people up until a year or two ago, were bastions of our society. They'd worked hard for the economy and now they're getting their just rewards and now they've pulled it in. Old people now, fuck it. Look, they can die in filth in nursing homes because it's just, ah, look, they're old. Pre-existing conditions? Somewhere like 60% of Australians have a pre-existing condition because that just means obesity or asthma or something. Um... (laughs) Pretty soon you'll find that, oh, they never actually cared about anyone, even rich, white, uh, privileged people. They don't care about each other. They just all have the support to make sure they survive. Lang, I had a really horrible thought just then, though, of like when they like pull the sphere closer and closer and closer in. If you remember, when Scott Morrison won the leadership from Malcolm Turnbull, there was a bunch of leaked text messages <laughs> that were like filthy at Scott Morrison from the very right wing. It was like apparently Dutton and Dutton supporters and whatnot were just like, fuck Scott Morrison, we'll get that cunt. Hmm. They 
don't like each other. And they no. will 100% pull that sphere into themselves yeah. and, st- and, and fuck people over in their own party if it came down to societal collapse at that level. So imagine what they would do for everyone. Like yeah. I, just, I think that's, a, that's a, just a, an example of like how small could that sphere go? Like, oh, I won't get caught in it. I'm a right. you know, 30-year-old white man. No, they, everyone is on the fucking chopping block with these types of people. Because right now there's plenty of swill in the trough. They can all have some. But once that swill dries up, they will turn on each other. I've, Mitch, argued against your uh, position that they actively hate the people that they're harming before, saying that they don't, that they just don't care about them. But I'm coming around. (laughs) Yes. You'll be happy to hear. Yes. I'm coming around via this angle, which is... These people believe that they have a right to be in their position, right? They feel like they've earned it. You know, Scott Morrison is like, I'm the prime minister. I belong. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, he's literally said that he was put there by God before. Yeah. Like, th- these are people who are like, the position that I'm in now of power is one that I deserve. And mm. when somebody, especially a group of people, especially a group of people that they don't know personally, uh-huh. creates problems for them in that position, <laughs> that is an attack on their position. The Richard Colbecks of the world are sitting here being like, fuck off, old people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I am trying to do my powerful good job as aged care minister and you (laughs) motherfuckers keep getting sick and dying and needing food and needing water. Can you fucking stop for a second? I'm the aged care minister. (laughs) I have stuff that I need to be doing. I need to be networking. You're just out here. Fuck, stop it. You're making me look bad. Uh You're making me look bad. You're jeopardising my position that I've earned. Imagine if there was somebody at your job who is consistently undermining your employment stability. <laughs> just every fucking day you show up and they're just like making problems for you, like m- making problems for you and telling your bosses about the problems that you've had. <laughs> but also like that person rocks up there and they're making problems for you, not because you're creating problems. Oh, no, they're creating problems because they're fucking horrible, dirty, immoral little shits. Ugh. If they if Ugh. they if they just worked a bit harder, they wouldn't be at that position making problems for you. Ugh. They just fucking took care of themselves Wrong. for one goddamn yeah. second. Yeah. I think you're right. That's fucking grim. That <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to cool. sting to get into the next bit? Uh, no. NDIS. It's just the go same straight shit. Into, oh, it turns out that. Bloody the minister for freaking NDIS, <laughs> not even looking at her proper title, Linda Reynolds. Also, oh my god, actively if you, hates people. If you if you think old people create problems, wait till you hear about disabled people. Oh my lord! <laughs> this episode is basically the the spaceman meme where one of them's holding the gun up to the other one. Is like it's always been about hating people, isn't it? Always has been. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> that's so black metal, Evie. Fucking hell. <laughs> so just yeah. So spare a thought for Linda Reynolds, who's just trying to mind her own business. <laughs> spare a thought for all these people with disabilities. They're like, help, help, help. Uh, mur, 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 mur. Uh. <laughs> Her job has basically been going in there and and clawing disability money out of the disability system. Yeah. Um, Right. Like, explicitly, she's been put in that role because she's proven to the powers that be that she doesn't have the empathy that will get in the way, and she's just 
playing tug of war with the hierarchy of needs from these damn wheelchairs. Before we get into this too, I just want to say um, how badly progressives have been snookered with regards to the existence of the NDIS. We really fell for it hook, line and sinker when Gillard did it. Oh, yeah. It was thinking, oh, yeah, when we privatise this and make it just a free, free, like, you know, oh, yeah, you, you can do whatever with this money instead of actually having specific, like, you know, uses and, you know, things that are available rather than you can just pick it yourself. The illusion of choice has hmm. fucked over disabled people in this country so much and the NDIS has made it so much worse. You talk to anyone who is disabled and needs to use the NDIS and they will tell you any time of the day, just at length, how horrible NDIS has made it for them. And Yeah, it's a, it's a bureaucratic labyrinth that exists just to get in the way between people who need support and support. Yeah. Yeah, illusion that's, that's of choice. It. It's it's yeah. it's this system where instead of being like, all right, you've got a foot disability, so you can go and see the foot doctor and it's free. Yeah. And instead, it's like, we've got this fancy little voucher system. We give mm. you a million different vouchers. They've all got different colours and you need to see a foot doctor. Here's the different foot doctors that accept green vouchers and here's the ones that accept pink <laughs> vouchers. And you can, spe- you can spend those vouchers wherever you like, honey. You can just you're, – you're rich with vouchers and you can do whatever you like. <laughs> like – can I get support? Oh, you got the vouchers. <laughs> Why do you got vouchers? That's such so a good explanation of it. It's just means testing to death once again. Like it, it is making things, you know, with the illusion of choice, it makes it so much more difficult for people to get the support that they need because it's like, well, you have a choice between A, B, and C, but your vouchers only apply to A and you won't be able to see A for the next, you know, 20 months because their mm. appointments are all booked up. It's like, so what the fuck am I supposed to do? Or yeah, there's a but- national shortage. Uh, just quickly, <laughs> what we are actually talking about this week is that um, uh, Linda Reynolds announced that uh, NDIS participants, uh, there's a plan in place that they can use the NDIS funding to buy rat tests. You know, like yeah. the test to detect a disease that disproportionately impacts people <laughs> that may be on the NDIS. Well, they can use some of the money because obviously you can't give people with disabilities everything for free anyway so they've only I mean, got some amount of money giving them a bunch of vouchers mitch yeah so <laughs> surely they can just use those vouchers that they already have to buy rat tests so uh, yeah this is this has come off the back of some reporting uh in the guardian where someone uh, by the name of uh, caroline campbell mclean no relation i'm assuming had to spend one thousand three hundred dollars on rat tests for support workers and the people mm. around her to make sure she can stay safe because the government will not give out these things for free and even when they say they can be subsidized or there'll be a buyback scheme or whatever they have to fucking means test it and find the bureaucracy this woman is on the NDIS because she has fucking spinal muscular atrophy and she needs to sleep with a BiPAP machine, which is essentially a fucking ventilator. And we couldn't even help her. We cannot help the elderly. We cannot help the most fucking vulnerable, the people that need it the most. It's fucking evil. Just raw evil. The, the rat tests, I've said this before, are not a selfish thing. You get a rat test so that you don't infect other people. If you get a positive result on your rat test... You already have COVID. That's what that means. It doesn't stop you getting COVID. It stops you spreading COVID to other people. And when we're like, oh, how do we get rat tests to the people who use them? Linda Reynolds is like, I've got a bright idea. They can spend their own money. 
that mm. they're already having, oh, but are those fucking disabled people? They're bloody swamped with cash. All I see is us giving them money constantly in the form of these crazy bureaucracy vouchers. They spend so much <laughs> money on the NDIS. Why can't they spend that money that they already have on their rat tests? It's so <sighs> disgusting. Yeah. It, see, once again, this is just like making people responsible for their own health through the illusion of choice. And like, mm. again, we have been so snookered by the idea that there is a shortage of rat tests. Like the shortage that didn't need to exist that people just turn on each other. Like, you know, the only reason why people are bulk buying is so that they can, you know, test their families or they distribute it to their friends, which, you know, some of us have had to do as well. You know, you get what you can where it's available and people just, like, turn on each other. Whose fault is it? It's everything up the top. Ah, God. Sorry. I'm just Can't everybody just turn on Linda Reynolds? (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is also, like, this sort of thing doesn't even save the government money. The the cruelty is the purpose of it, not the efficiency, because if the government just got the rat test wholesale and gave them directly to people on the NDIS, that would be the cheapest possible way to do that. Mm. Um, Currently, what the government is doing is giving them a series of complicated vouchers administered through various levels of bureaucracy that they then spend on rat tests at expense from pharmacists. If they can find them. (laughs) Sure, from pharmacists, if they can find them, who are then having to be subsidised by the government and are also themselves losing money and will probably have to be bailed out later. Yeah, I mean, that's the other story. The government is now having to pay more money on several different levels (laughs) uh, to several (laughs) layers of bureaucracy, to several parts of the free market, just to not give stuff directly to people who need it. Which... Tons of other countries are doing already. That's that is that is one way of putting it, Lang. But the other way is that they're creating jobs. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> but no, that is you. You briefly touched on it there too. But just Grave as a quick digger. thing as well. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> um, pharmacies are apparently losing money on the uh, rat test reimbursement scheme that was happening because you know how there was no rat mm. test, and then the government was like, "Oh, sure, some people with their fucking vouchers can get them for free," and from from your chemist and pharmacy. And the pharmacist went, oh, cool, so you'll supply them? And they went, no, we'll pay you back or something. It's come out recently that a bunch of places are losing money on it because the government set what the subsidy for these rat tests was going to be in December. And then because of shortages across the nation and the world, the wholesale price has gone up. And so chemists are now losing money even when they get money back from the government, which could have been avoided if you gave them out for free. Also, some people, some pharmacies aren't even getting that money back from the government. They're like waiting for the yeah, subsidy no. to be refunded and they're still not getting it back. So they have to go out of expense. Yeah, like the bushfire scam. The government has had to spin up whole new departments to administer this insane reimbursement scheme. Yep. It's almost like pharmacists, no matter how powerful that lobby might be, are not able to acquire bulk pharmaceuticals from wholesalers <laughs> with nearly the same price point as a fucking government could have. We're paying the pharmacists more in reimbursements than we would have for the rat tests. I'm going to start pounding the table again and just saying stop means testing. This is all means testing. All of it is means testing. It just adds 10 layers of bureaucracy that do not need to be there. It justifies the jobs of people who should not have those jobs. Like, this is wasting everyone's fucking time. Just give it to people. You can do it. This is a government who will very, very happily, enthusiastically even, spend $1,000 to make sure they don't accidentally give $10 to the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And it goes beyond means testing. This is uh, 
some kind of weird uh, slavishness to the concept of the free market. Mm-hmm. Where instead of the government doing something, they'll pay someone to pay someone else to pay someone else to pay someone else to do something and end up spending three times as much yeah. Um, yeah. just because they are ideologically opposed to themselves doing a thing. Yeah. The free market will just somehow be more efficient. Yeah, when I say means testing, I use it as a very broad umbrella term for all of this because for me, <laughs> like it, it's just the idea that people who think this way think that nobody deserves a good thing unless they're in the most dire position. And even then, they're kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure if I should give this to you, though. Like, it's the, just the cult of the economy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, just the mentality of it just shits me to tears. People, like, you know, are really set in that mindset of we have to make sure that whoever gets this really deserves it. Everyone fucking deserves a rat test, you dumb fuck. Like, of course they're going to get <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. What was the thing I saw, in fact, earlier today where Peritet is like, oh, we'll give um, we'll give subsidies to landlords mm-hmm. who are giving rent reductions to their renters. Mm, I'm like, what? Yeah. Just give the money to the renters. Because yeah. they're the ones paying fucking what? Uh, I want to encourage landlords and tenants today to get in contact with each other. We provide <laughs> oh, opportunity yeah. for rental relief in the period of time. There's also support for landlords and tenants alike. Fuck off. Like, why like, did landlords get support? Why weren't they putting money away for a rainy day like a yeah. fucking global pandemic? But also there is a disconnect here between, again, like the you know support and the people that need it of like... Why is a landlord in the way? The government have this money and then these people that want to open shops and provide goods and services to people. And then there's just some fuck in the middle being like, but I have this piece of paper and it says it's mine. Give, give me money. Like, I, yeah. I've said it before, <laughs> but as far as the government is concerned, the smallest economic unit is the business owner. It's, <laughs> not, it's not the individual citizen. Yeah. They don't give the slightest shit. And you'll notice every time there is a, a report or a paper, in the, you know, a news article, a government thing, they're always like, business owners say this. We're helping businesses. We're subsidizing businesses. They're not subsidizing people. It's not people say this. They never talk to a cafe worker or a customer. They talk to business owners because they're the smallest people that exist. Yeah. They're the man on the street is the business owner. Yeah, They're the ones with the, who, who understand the economy. <laughs> it's not even but- that. It's like talking about farmers instead of chickens. They're not talking to a chicken. They're talking to a farmer because the <laughs> citizens are chickens. We're cattle. <laughs> I mean, they're also not talking to farmers who are like feeding chickens. They're talking to farmers who... Own, you know, Farm Corp. Yeah, but so like that—that is also borne out that you know when they are forced to talk to or about citizens, it is as you know an essential worker when they want to buddy you up, or a tenant when they want to refer to the amount of money you give landlords. There's there's a qualifier to it. There's not, Mm. as Evie just said, a person who fucking deserves it because everyone deserves it because they're a person. There's a a qualifier to it. What type of person are you? How do you help the smallest model, the lowest common denominator, the business? What do you do? There's a real parallel there to that thing of uh, you know, like referring to women as like she was someone's oh, wife, yeah. she yeah. was someone's daughter, totally. she was someone's mother. Like the only way to talk about talk about a woman is to refer to how she relates to a man, yeah. and it's like mm. the only way to talk about a citizen. The only way to talk about a citizen is to sh- point out how they relate to the economy. That's the that's the that's their role. He's a landlord's cash cow. You know what's funny, McLean? I've seen people really push back to women uh, uh, to like when a woman dies, being referred to in terms of the people around them. 
I would fucking way, way, way prefer that if I died, that someone said she was someone's wife, she was someone's friend, she was someone's daughter, than she was an IT shit kicker. Like, fuck me. <laughs> if that's how, how I was referred, oh, I'd like no. come back to life and die all over again. Like, she do not remember employee. me that way. She was someone's taxpayer. She was someone's <laughs> tenant. <laughs> Like I really, I really hate that sort of way. People, re- people exist in their relationship to each other. Yeah, I think it's. I think that there's sort of two different framings of that. One of which is totally fine, which is just referring to somebody in, in a yeah. way that, like, they're, they're close connections. But then there's also the 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 ones that are like explaining why you should care about a woman yeah, who's yeah, died. Yeah, 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 totally. Which is like, you know, oh, I, I just th- I just thought it was some woman who died, but I realised that that woman had an owner, yeah. and that owner's probably sad about that. It's oh, like, no. that's... that's. Oh, like it's like men who only, like, care about women because they have daughters or something like that. It's yeah. It's the Scott Morrison response to violence against women, having to think about it in terms of his wife and his, his children. Ah, oh, yeah. Mm. He leaves behind an inconvenienced employer. <laughs> so what is to be done about all this doom and gloom, though? All these horrible, evil people, these vampires running around in government. I feel like I got a an insight into what's to be done about it this week. And it kind of just loops back to like... Just podcast about it, but <laughs> with the additional thing of just like aim it through very loud speakers at the people who need to hear it, like Stuart Robert and Colbeck and the, and the rest of them. This week, uh, former Australian of the Year, former, you're going to hear that a lot, former Australian of the Year. She's not that anymore. Don't fucking talk about her. We hate her. Ugh. Australian of last year. <laughs> Australian of yeah. last year. The bad year, even. Ah. Yeah. Uh, oh, Australian of 2021. No, thanks. <laughs> Grace Tame stood next to Scott Morrison during one of his happy little piggy photo shoots that he loves. And she didn't smile. She gave him stank eye. And for real, like the footage of it is actually really fucking cool because she walks up. Yeah, it's full stank eye. Because <laughs> I was thinking at first when it came out, oh, sh- this is one of those moments where like she's not happy to be there and a photographer has snapped a moment where she's looking like shitty at Scott Morrison or just generally. But then she's going to get on with the formalities and do the whole thing. And she fucking doesn't. She walks <laughs> up and the entire time she's just non-verbally saying you're a fucking cunt you are the worst piece of shit and I hate you you're such a and his wife goes hi and she goes hi hi nice to meet you thank you you fucking bastard shit <laughs> like it's directed at Scott Morrison yeah, it's amazing how striking it is she gives him nothing some photos are taken and then she storms off and legit that is the bare minimum that we should be doing to our fucking politicians in this yeah. country. That's what you can still do because they clearly don't respond to fucking reprimands or royal commissions or whatever else. Ice these motherfuckers out when they go into public. Make them feel like shit because the next step, if they don't get the fucking hint, is to make them super fucking uncomfortable to be out in public. That's what we can still do. They are still people. They still live in this fucking country. Don't give them any fucking measure of civility or pleasantness when they're out in public and acting like they do. Like all the it's, things we just talked it's about. It's the whole principle of respect is earned, not given. But I want to yeah. point out something here. Uh, and it's something like 
I'm, I'm going to be honest, I haven't given a huge amount of time to this. Like, I really respect the fact that she did not give him the time of day at all. And I like, you know, full full marks for that. Yeah. But one thing I really want to comment on is that a lot of the people who are applauding her now are really only doing that because she is on the correct side of their political team. They They see her sort of defiance of him as well, she loves Albo and that sort of thing. And, I, you know, I couldn't speculate on whether she loves Albo or not. She showing her disrespect to Scott Morrison. <laughs> I'm not going to say whether Grace Tame wants to kiss Albo on the lips <laughs> and marry him. I will not say a thing. <laughs> but if she showed that same level of disrespect for Albo, if he were prime minister, they would not be happy about that because for them it is purely political it's not a i disrespect this person in power who is treating people like shit for them it's purely just their sports team just i just want to i just yeah like i just want people to remember that because Hmm. your appreciation of people with disrespect for those in power should cross political lines it should I don't be bipartisan. Have, it, it, it should be, I do not respect politicians if they are going to betray me, if they're going to treat me like shit. I don't respect a lot of Labor people who, you know, who sold gay people under the bus during the whole debate about marriage equality because yeah, they were willing the- to sell out themselves and, like, sell me out in order to, you know, go on party lines about it. It was only when they were given the- an open vote that they spoke. It's like, you know, I'm looking at the religious discrimination bill coming up. I'm like, whose side are you going to be on? Are you going to, you know, vote yeah. against my interests and sell me out again? I don't have any respect for you. Who knows? I think the principle that is sort of like at play here is you do not owe a display of respect yeah. to somebody that you don't respect. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of the sort of like, you know, progressive commentary on this is like, you do not owe Scott Morrison respect, which is also true, but mm. it's not As It's not the core that. principle. Yeah. Um. I think, and I think... This, honestly, it's amazing that this is as uh, effective and shocking. Even to me, to see someone, like, not shake his hand and scowl at him is unusual. You don't mm. see that, and it's effective. Yeah. That's, because- I mean, the last time we saw it was the the, the woman in Cabago who refused to shake his hand yeah. at, during the bushfires, like, two years ago, which was, you know, national news for days. And every now and then you have, like, an egg boy or something, and that's a little different because that's, like, active, yeah, fuck yeah, but it's this thing of just, like, uh, not giving them the thing they need because Grace Tame didn't actively do anything. She just chose not to actively smile. I, like, and normally she this was, is what they demand. She was roped into this as well. Like she, she wasn't was, yeah. she didn't attend the photo shoot event with Scott Morrison and then not smile during the photo shoot event that she was attending. She oh. attended a much larger event where she was just present near Scott Morrison and some photographers at the time and Scott Morrison being like, oh, I've always got to be doing the photo shoot, was like, oh, it's Grace Time. Come on in. Let's have a photo with you. Let's do some little press uh, thing. And it was during that that she was like, I'm not smiling for this. Grace Time just did what naturally anyone does in proximity to Scott Morrison. (laughs) (laughs) Just just full grimace. I think think there's also one important point that that I'd like to hit about whether this was an active decision to, like, diss Scott Morrison or not, though. Because Grace Time is autistic. Hmm. Like... The, 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 this is also a story of an autistic person making national news because they made an inappropriate facial expression. Mm. I, I'm autistic myself. I spent that whole day when that like news broke in the morning, just being like, if I was in that situation, I don't think I'd be able to like put a smiley face on either. Yeah, that's difficult. 
that's like I mean I can't smile normally when I'm <laughs> among family and friends in a photo opportunity. It's very hard. <laughs> yeah, no one no one is naturally smiling there. They're doing it because of social pressure. Right, and so just the, the, I, I think the autism uh, note is really relevant. Obviously, mm. Grace is someone who knows how to be in front of a camera and be in sort of media presence. But when that situation is sort of thrust on you unexpectedly, that is like, I, I think just characterizing it as an intentional decision to diss Scott Morrison, I, I think maybe it was very plausibly it was, but is also just, this is something that autistic people, that's the, like one of the classic things that, that autistic people struggle with. And to say like, oh, she she knew exactly what she was doing. Like maybe she was like, fuck, fuck, I've got to put the right face on for this, but I fucking hate this guy. That's you know maybe that was the thought. It was not just like I hate this guy. It was like should I? I should probably be smiling. Where do I put my teeth and lips for this? Mm. Like th- th- that. It's 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 hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. This, this is yeah. It 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 sends a it says a lot that like neurotypical people would be like, I don't understand you know, why she couldn't just suck it up. It's like sometimes it doesn't occur naturally to you. Like it it says a lot about how people just see those situations and like, you know, um, this is what you should be doing. Sometimes it just doesn't occur in the moment. And like, you know, she's for all intents and purposes, even as Australian of the Year and even as someone with, you know, likely having had media training, she is still a civilian. Mm. She's not a politician. Yet, <laughs> Yet. <laughs> and I think ind- independently of of her reasoning behind doing this, um, the the interesting story is how much this shocked everyone because they're like, "What? No, you have to. You've got to." Says Why who? didn't you? You owe them homage, and this is great <laughs> because it's starving Scott Morrison of the only thing that he cares about, yeah. the only thing that sustains him, which is photo ops, <laughs> and. And the only thing anyone in this fucking government seems to care about, except obviously money and power and, you know, having their eggs kept warm, is <laughs> is the spin and journalists providing them a spin and photo ops providing them a spin and everyone going on with the charade that they are a functioning government. And you'll... Yes, Scott Morrison loves photo ops more than anyone. Yeah. yeah. And if, if people stopped smiling for him in photo ops... I think he'd actively like fade away like a photo in Back to the Future. Oh, fuck. Can you imagine? I just, this is, can you imagine a photo op with Scott Morrison surrounded by a group of people and without his knowledge, they're all doing the middle finger at him? Like, you know that, uh, that photo, uh, 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 that yeah. photo prank? Can you imagine Scott Morrison's reaction to that? Can you imagine the media furor? <laughs> I'm just going to carry that image with me wherever we go now. I'm, that's made me really happy. I just. <laughs> dark episode but that's really lightened my load <laughs> i just i just thought too like uh, you, you you're right mclean there's you know there's there's actually quite a bit to this story it's not just the you know a political stunt for the right team but when you said that it's you know plausible that it might have been a calculated attack at, on scott morrison and it was you know for a political purpose I, I think that is plausible i think this is less plausible but i i choose to believe that this is the case is that Grace Tame has watched Tom Tanaki's uh, Yelling at Racist Dog <laughs> video about how to starve these gronks of attention and ruin their footage for them. Mm. And she's just <laughs> done that to Lang's point. She's just gone in there and been like, oh, this chuckle fuck wants a photo, does he? All right. No. And he's just... Because 
Morrison would be fucking fuming afterwards. Not much oh, yeah. actually makes him care, but you know after he'd be like, ah, fucking ingrate. How fucking dare she? It's mm-hmm. to McLean's act out before. Oh, how fu- she got in the fuck. I'm trying to be prime minister. I'm trying to provide a mo- moral support for my constituents. And she gets in the way by reminding everyone that I'm shit at it. Yeah. Like, I reckon that you're right. I reckon that Scott Morrison's understanding of the role of Prime Minister is being in photo ops is his primary function. Yeah. Yeah. It's his only function. He's I, reckon that he, like, I reckon he genuinely reckons that yep. that is his job. That is what the job is, is being in photo ops. Like I think, I think no, queen. 100%. It is, I'm in photo ops. And those photo ops give support and encouragement to people because that also matches yeah. his rhetoric about all the sports stuff as well. It's like people yeah. should see their prime minister at things and smiling and doing stuff. That's what a prime minister does, and you know, gives they're taking wickets in during COVID or whatever the fuck it was. And you know, he, he, how good is it that during the bushfires we've still got the cricket because it's this empty nothing idea. Of what a prime minister should be, which is again, like it's essentially just a statue that moves. Everyone can look at it and go, "Oh wow, a prime minister," and then that's it. Mm. It's like um, Captain America, where he gets up on stage and punches out some Nazis <laughs> and helps sell war bonds. I can't believe I'm in the presence of somebody who got about fifty percent of the vote. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly from fucking Queensland. How good Queensland? <laughs> Shit. That's why I moved. <laughs> I'm from Queensland originally. I don't know if I told you guys. <laughs> Queensland's really racist. Oh, like Melbourne. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking thanks again for fucking listening to another episode of Not Good Enough, eh? Uh, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. To our Queensland listeners. Gives a buzz. On a- <laughs> I was going to say, next week I can do my Byron one as well. Um, hey, look, if you like even these type of loose weird, definitely untethered episodes. Tell your friends and family, spread us around. Word of mouth is the single best thing for the podcast. It's 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 great. We appreciate it. If you want to give us a buzz and have a yarn, um, we're on all the socials at NotGoodPod and also the email address NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com. Sorry for getting a bit black pill this episode. I Like, I try not to, but, like, sometimes I think it can be a motivating force to just be like, <laughs> what the fuck? I don't have a future. <laughs> it's time to make sure that... <laughs> Someone is like feels the consequences of that. <laughs> Look, if you can talk about climate and politics and old people dying without getting a bit at least black pill, um, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. I think it's just like, oh, I don't have a future, but I can get around with my mates and say we don't have a future. <laughs> that makes it a little easier. <laughs> We're going to do that right after this pod. Actually, it's going to be great. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Let's go get a hamburger. <laughs> Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, We want to pay our respects to their ancestors and elders and to remind everybody that the whole fucking continent is stolen land.